Shalom. This week's Parsha is Parsha Chemini, and we are the Toronto Torah Podcast, brought to you by Beit Midrash Zichron Dov. Each week, we will offer a different view on the weekly Torah portion. One conversation a week, every week. And today, Rabbi Jared and Stande, Zgan Rosh Beit Midrash, and Idan Rakovsky, myself, Avrech, will discuss Para Aduma in the light of Parsha Torah. Hello, Rabbi Einstein. Hello, Idan. How are you? I'm well. Very good. A very special Parsha. A very special Shabbos. It is indeed a, a special Shabbos, a special Parsha. So we've actually, we're going to have two different readings that are going to happen this Shabbos. So the first, it's Parsha Shemini. So what is Parsha Shemini? Literally, Shemini is eight. It's the eighth day. So the Parsha opens up with the day after the seven days of the beginning of the, uh, of the Mishkan, of the, when now Aharon and his sons are beginning to actually serve in the Mishkan as Kohanim, and everything is going great. And then, unfortunately, we have Nadav and Avihu. Nadav and Avihu, two of Aharon's sons, decide to bring an Esh Zara, they decide to bring this foreign fire as part of, their, as part of the sacrifice, they get into the Mishkan, and unfortunately, they are struck down, they are killed. And it's a very difficult Parsha when Aharon is now faced with the unfortunate loss of his two sons. And the Torah tells us by Yidom Aharon that Aharon was silent in the face of such tragedy. He didn't have anything to say. The Torah continues with details of kashrut, different types of features, what makes an animal kosher and not kosher, land animals and fish and birds and bugs and locusts. All of those are, are discussed. And finally, the Parsha ends at the end, the Parsha talks about ideas of Tara, of, of becoming pure. And this Parsha, which had such a heavy moment of, uh, of the loss of life, concludes with elements of Tara, of purity, about how one can become pure. And that's Parsha Shmini. And um, thank you. Thank you, Jared. We have a very special math here, this Parsha. And this is actually what we're going to focus on in today's podcast. Our math here and Haftarah, which is related to, is uh, what we call para, para Duma, right? The red cow, uh, which is a fascinating issue, a fascinating discussion, just trying to understand what exactly that means. Just as a summary of what exactly para Duma, this red cow, is, so we're going to borrow uh, the story and the instructions from uh, Parshat Chukat, um, all the way uh, forward in uh, Sefer Bamidbar. And... In this very, I would say, difficult to understand um, kind of um, kind of a practice, we take a cow, which is called a red cow. Actually, we don't know if it's a red or brown. What exactly is, is the color of it? But we take a special cow that has special rules and laws. That exactly, you know that this cow is counted as a red cow. Is entitled to be a red cow. The Kohanim are burning it totally until it becomes to ashes. They mix it with some special water that they bring from, uh, from a spring, from a ma'ayan, as we say in Hebrew. Back then, we know that when uh, there was Bet HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, they used to bring the water from uh, a spring called Gihon, Ma'ayan Gihon. The Rambam explains it in, uh, in Mishneh Torah, in Tahara. And um, they would mix the water and they would sprinkle it, spritz it with this hyssop on a person that became impure through contact with a dead body. 
So by the way, we read Parashat Para this week. It's part of the four special parashas that exist between, uh, in, in the, I say the, the four parashas, special parashas that exist in the lead up to Pesach. This is Parashat Para, the week before the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh. Yeah, it's a little bit complicated, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Shabbat before the Shabbat before the beginning of the month of Nisan. Exactly. And the, the Mishnah Bura writes that the reason we do it this week is because historically the very first para aduma, the first red heifer that was offered, was done at this period of the year, right before Nisan, right before the month of Nisan, right before uh, the giving of the of the of the past Pesach offering as a way right. to make sure that everyone in the this was in, in in the desert times that everyone in the desert would it be pure would not be tamay mate would not be impure having had contact with the dead body that they're now in a state of purity so they can bring their sacrifice at the appropriate time for the holiday of Pesach. And the Mishnah adds that we read it also at this point to, as, a, as a form of prayer almost, that we should be able to have ourselves cleansed of the impurities that we have and be able to offer the, the Pesach offering in its appropriate time uh, very soon. Right, and we know we know some of the Rishonim, some of the rabbis say that uh, they debate whether maybe that's the Deraisa, that's from the Torah, maybe that's the, the Ramadan. In general, we know that most of the, most of the rabbis say that, most of the sages, um, they, they agree that this is not a Hiv of Deraisa, it's not an obligation from the Torah. Anyhow, this is very, very, very interesting because there is, first of all, we don't understand what exactly happens here. Why exactly this red cow ashes with the water sprinkled on the, this, this impure person makes him pure. But there's also a very interesting law that the Cohen who is sprinkling the water on the person who is impure actually himself becomes impure while that person who got sprinkled, he's no pure. Actually, not right away. He's waiting to go to the mikveh, and then afterwards, by the evening, he's going to become pure. But the purifying person, the purifying Kohen, becomes impure, while the impured person becomes, turns to be impure. And this is, this is a very interesting law that turns out to be, as we say, maybe the most uh, well-known example for mitzvot and halachot, for rules and instructions that we don't necessarily understand with our minds. And uh, if there is something that we don't know why it happens and how actually that's gonna get along with logic, then we're gonna say this is just like paraduma, this is just like a red cow. I wonder, Jared, to invite you on a journey with me together to try and ask some difficult questions regarding our faith, regarding our halachot, regarding our Jewish life. Should everything be understandable and reasonable? Or maybe something are actually gonna stay in their question mark. And maybe something, and maybe some of the things are not to be answered. Maybe not now, maybe in the future, maybe never. What do you think? You've invited me on a very exciting free ticket. Free ticket, wow, it's a very exciting conversation. Of course, the conversation is not beginning now in 2022. This is this is an old, old conversation. We could go as far back, we could go back as far as Rambam, Maimonides, talking about giving explanations for the various mitzvot. We could take it even further back. We go to Talmudic times, the conversation of Darshin and Ta'ama Dekra. Can we can we understand, can we, can we learn and extrapolate rules and understandings and ideas 
uh, from verses and from laws in the Torah, and we could kick it back even further to, uh, to Tanakh itself. We could kick it back to Tanakh itself, as you mentioned before. With Right, we can kick it off uh, all the way back to Tanakh. So we can see, for example, Eyob, Job, he questions all the time the way that God rules the world. We can see it also... Not go, only from well, go to Abraham, Hashafet called Abraham. What I'm seeing doesn't make sense, and there were people for a long time. It's for you and I right now, <laughs> but for for generations, for thousands of years, we've been struggling with how do we grasp the things that seem to be ungraspable. How do we understand things that we can't seem to understand? That is that is. The question. I, I, also, I also think that we, maybe we should um, just take a step back and maybe try to distinct a little bit between the different aspects of it, right? We, let's, let's divide into different categories, okay? There's some things, maybe most of the things, some would say, that we don't understand in what we say we call our Ramuna, which is our faith, right? In Akadosh Baruch, which is most like a, the example we just brought, right? From Tanakh. Uh, from Ayov, from, uh, from Avraham, there's many, many more examples that even Karush Baruch uh, explains to, to Yonah, right? To Jonah, the prophet, that uh, you want to know why I'm so putting mercy on uh, the people of Nineveh? Just like you put uh, mercy, Jonah, on this Kikayon, so do you think that I'm not going to put a mercy on this uh, big city with many, many people? So we can see it falls both ways. But this is, I think... As a discussion which worthwhile talking about, but this is a discussion regarding faith and Muna, the way that God uh, rules the world. I think there is another discussion, not less interesting and not less important, which is derived from this master, from this, this story about Parshat Parat. And this is that not every time we understand our mitzvot, our halachot, why do we do such a thing? Why don't we do something else? Why exactly now? Why exactly he? Why? What? We can ask about almost about every nichalacha. For example, the, the Gemara already in Yoma, in uh, page 67b, um, explains that Mishpatim, what are Mishpatim? There are the laws which would still have been written, even if the Torah not codified them. And there are the Chukim that the Talmud explains, which is those are the kind of laws and instruction that are Yetzerara, right? That were, evil inclination. Right, the evil inclination. Thank you, Rev. Garrett that uh, tried to convince us that, oh, this halakha is pointless, there is no uh, reasoning behind it, you never understand it. So we know, also already in the Talmud, we acknowledge the fact that there are some mitzvot and halakhot that for the person, for this uh, average human being, may not seem actually reasonable. But I'm trying to understand, how do we, as Jews, trying to, as much as we can, Connect to Kaddish Baruch Hu, observe Halacha, try to do the good thing in the world. How can we understand in a world where we're trying to understand everything all the time, as much as possible, where we say, right, that knowledge is power, how can we relate to Halachot, to instructions, to mitzvot, which just doesn't make sense? Help me with this, Rav Jared. Okay, so it's a really, really good question, Idan. Um, I have a couple thoughts. Number one is that I think it's important to say, as you said, that in Judaism, knowledge is power. Right? I remember when I was in high school, I had a chavruta with a good friend of mine named Yair, and we would sit in high school, after school, one day a week or something, we would learn Gemara together. One day, a non-Jewish teacher walked into the room, and he was asking us what we were learning, and we tried to explain, you know, the Gemara, there's 
their laws, and the Talmud sort of discusses the laws, when they apply, when they don't apply. And he was shocked that, number one, people in high school would study such things because he felt that, who are we to even learn about? The Talmud is filled with discussions about reasons why we do this, when does it apply, conversations about halacha and the ideas behind them. He was shocked that, number one, high schoolers would be doing it. Number two, that it even was considered a religious text because he felt that religion is something that you receive and you, and you do. You don't discuss it. You don't analyze it. You don't argue about it. You receive a tradition and you do it. But Judaism is not that. Judaism is, the Gemara is filled with discussion and debate and argument. What's the time? What's the reason? What's the napkamina? How do we understand this? Judaism believes that its knowledge is power and it's really important to understand. So that's number one is that I agree with that. At the same time, we also recognize that there has to be a level of humility. And uh, there's, a, there's a Gemara that identifies, that says, says that when a Beit Din would make a, a Takana, they would make a, a, a religious enactment, they wouldn't reveal the reason for a full year. They said, this is the Halacha, we all have to do this now, and they wouldn't say why for a full year. And after a year, after everyone's been following this idea for a full year, they've been following this, this Takana for a full year, then they could tell the reason why, but they wouldn't beforehand. And the reason is because if you tell people why we're not allowing you to do X, Y, and Z, you know immediately people will start coming up with loopholes and ideas. Well, maybe because of this, or I can outsmart it because of that, and this and that. And then the whole concept of the Takana falls away. The whole concept falls away. And so there's an, and this is how people are. We, we, if, we, if we try to understand, there's always a risk that we're going to try to subvert and try to outsmart. And so, on the one hand, it's really important for us to understand, but also, there has to be a level of humility. There has to be a level of understanding that even if I think I know best, I don't know best. And even if I think I fully understand, there's always going to be something that maybe I don't fully understand, and I have to be willing to accept that. Uh, let, let me, let me t- challenge you with a question. Honest question. Really, a man, that's an honest question, and please answer honestly from a really an honest answer. Do you really want to live in a reality where the system decides things for you to do, no, that is necessarily supposed to be an halachic system. It can be any system. It can be your government. But where there is a system that decides among themselves, among the people in the system that runs the system, decides something regarding the way you should live your life, and they will not reveal why they decided what they, why they decided, but you know you're only obligated to follow the rules. Do you feel comfortable with such a reality? Really, it's an honest question. No, and, I'm, and I'm telling you that, at, uh, to answer honestly, I don't feel entirely comfortable with it. And that's why I started with what I started with, was that I believe that the uncomfortability stems from a really Jewish idea. Judaism, the Torah wants us to grapple, wants us to understand. If the Torah didn't want us to, then the Gemara, the Mishnah wouldn't say, it would just say, these are the times you say Shema, period. There would be no Gemara, there would be no Mishnah, there would be no discussion about it. So I believe that the, the impulse that I want to know, and I want to not live in that reality, is the Torah's ideal. At the same time, I think the Torah also wants us to not try to outsmart, to not try to think that we know everything. I mean, this is the, this is the famous idea that, that Shlomo HaMelech, right, the smartest of all people, still fails terribly miserably, sins miserably. And I think there's a little bit of a message there that we can be, we, it's possible for us to be too smart for our, our own so, good. So, so I'll, tell you where, I'll tell you where I'm good, where, where I'm taking this. Sure. Let, me, let me show you where I'm taking this. First of all, regarding what you said at the beginning, 
I think that sometimes, personally, yeah, maybe you'll disagree, but I think that sometimes the question is way more important than the answer. Answering sometimes is the easy thing. Being able to take a, to take a step forward and ask a really honest question that derives from the very inner parts of your neshama, of your soul, that takes courage. This is not something easy. It's not easy in any setting that you would think. It's not easy in school. It's not easy in, uh, in uh, asking your parents something. It's not easy asking your children why they did something they did. Even maybe the most difficult thing is to ask God. Hey, God, why, why is this the way it is? It's very difficult because you're not necessarily going to get a direct answer. And sometimes... Wait, wait a minute. See, you want to you wanna jump? Wait, wait a minute. Let me finish my point. And sometimes, sometimes... Just by asking a question, you already, you already achieved something. You already achieved more than half of the answer. More than half of the answer because you were honest with yourself. And you said, you declared by asking the question, this is important to me. That's why I'm asking the questions. First of all, this is where I'm taking that. The wrong... I want to just, I want okay, to okay, say, okay, okay. I want to say I am 100% with you, except I think that is the second hardest is to ask the question. I think the hardest is to have the humility to shrug your shoulders after you ask the question and say, I don't have an answer. Exactly. Okay, exactly. I can accept it. And this is a very good opening to what I'm gonna say. I think that in our world, in general, we need to live in the question mark. Now it's very difficult in our reality, in our generations, more maybe than any other generations ever, that ever existed. We, are, we live in a, generations where, in a generation where everything you have the entire info, the entire knowledge in the world just in the top of your hand. Just Google it and you'll find everything that you want to know in seconds. But if you use Google and you search, what is the meaning of para aduma? I promise you, and you can try. All, all listeners can try. You will not find an answer. You can search for what is the distance from the moon of Earth. What is the... You can, you can question and ask any question you want. But if you ask, just Google it, why do we have paraduma, you will not find an answer. And the fact that we live in a generation where information, details, answers is something that is so obvious in our lives, I think that we need more than ever halachot and instructions that explain to us, wait a minute, not everything you can understand. Not everything you should understand. And not everything... Is up to you. It, rela- I, I, it reminds me very much of Shabbos. I think that only in our generations we really understand what the meaning of Shabbos is. I think that now when we have electricity and phones and computers and work, and we work very hard, we come late, only now we can really appreciate having 25 hours dedicated to our families, dedicated to our children, dedicated to the, our loved ones, and dedicated to Akadosh Baruch dedicated to God, which we sometimes we don't have time during the week to dedicate it. So, if you ask me where I'm taking it to, I'm taking it towards this direction. And I didn't even start talking about what the Rambam exactly thinks about it. And I have also a piece by Leibovitch. I don't know where we want to fit this in. I'm trying to find the exact picture right now. But there's, I believe it was a webcomic, XKCD. These uh, stick figures. And if I recall correctly, the, the, the panel, it's one square. There are two stick figures sitting on the couch. One of them says, you know, I wonder what the, you know, I don't know, name some random fact that a person would want to know about. I wonder about the, uh, the atomic number of whatever thing, or, you know, the airspeed velocity of whatever animal. You know, the person says that, and the other person sort of says, 
I don't know. And like, then it just goes on. And the pattern, it says, you know, life before Google, right? Like <laughs> there was a time when people had questions and they just like, that's, I don't know the answer to that question. Right. Okay. But now man, they, everyone did just fine. Not, not needing to have the entire world at their fingertips. Right. Right. Uh, but, but, but I don't, I don't want to leave our listeners without any answer of everything. We must, we must give them at least one answer of something. And I'll try to so do give, So give us, give us. So, give so us. I'll try, I'll try to not give an answer to Paraduma, not to the red cow, but I'll try to explain maybe what is the right way, at least according to the Rambam, for us to understand the mitzvot, right? We have a definite, we have a term called the ta'amea mitzvot, which is the, right, the explanations of the mitzvot, of our laws, of our Jewish laws. And the Rambam, in more Nevuchim and in other places, he really discusses all the mitzvot that we have and trying to understand what exactly is their, their meaning. What is the meaning? Why do we do what we do? And one of the, I would say, um, conclusions of the Rambam to his listeners, to his readers, to his learners, to all Jew, every Jew in the world is we should not practice our mitzvot and halachot because of a reason. In other words, don't observe Shabbos or Kashrut. Why? Because you're afraid you're going to be burned in hell. Don't observe Shabbos. Why? Because you want to gain a mitzvah. No. Observe the mitzvah. Practice this halacha. Why? Because you want it. Why do you want it? Because you love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because you love God. I think that if, and this is my interpretation to it, that I think that if our world, our Jewish world, would lack mitzvot and halachot that are unreasonable, that we don't understand, if we would understand everything, it would be very challenging, very difficult for us to practice those halachot from love. We would work them, we would practice them from our minds because we understand what we're doing, because we can judge everything, every step in the mitzvah, we can understand it. And, and, and if we don't understand, we would not do it. No, we do the things that we don't understand. And by that, we express love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I think that uh, you may relate to that also in a, maybe in a married life, in a sense that uh, sometimes we need to do something which we don't really understand, but we just love the other person. So we do it. I don't think it's very far from that in that sense. I want to ask a question though about that. Like, does this mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no reason for it? Meaning Hashem says, I want you to eat this and not eat that. Every seven days I want you to definitely, definitely don't do this. And it's just an ex- exercise. Would you say it's simply an exercise in obedience that Hashem's saying, I want to see how much you really No, love me? no, not obedience. No, not obedience. Okay. Covenant, 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 not obedience. I, again, it's Dan Rakovsky, the personal, if you ask me personally, why to do the thing that I don't understand? Because I have a covenant with my creator and I actually love him. And I believe he loves me also, even though I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be loved. But I think he loves me and I have a covenant with him. That's why I'm doing it. I don't think it's a question of obedience. I don't think it's a question of obedience. I think it's a question of a covenant. And the moment you feel you have this covenant, give me for, I don't mind all the mitzvot not to have a reason. I don't, I, I really, I'm not interested in understanding the reasons behind the, the mitzvot. It's not a field of study in halacha that, no, 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 that interests me as a personal person. I, I, I'm not interested in it because I don't, I don't understand why I need to know. I don't need to know in order to practice. I don't need to know in order to observe because I have a covenant between me and between my, my creator. It's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment, Idan. 
I love it. I'm not sure that I agree. I'm, I'm not sure that I agree that... I wonder if the, if the Judaism that you're presenting, if that's true, then, then, then why do we spend any amount of time learning any of this stuff? Like, why does it... Why should we try to figure out... Like, why is it worth the conversation of, you know, when is the latest a person can say, Shema, is it this, is it that? The kids go to this... Like, why is there even a conversation? Like, I, I just... It's only a conversation just so that I can, it just, it just feels very, I don't know. I'm not saying, I'm not saying a real sentence here. I, I understand what you're saying. And I'm saying that it just, it feels, so you're saying like, I don't care what the reason is, but what if the reason is an important thing, right? What if the reason, well, the halach, when it comes to Sukkot, we're, you know, we're almost the farthest apart you could ever be from Sukkot is like right now. Yeah. But on Sukkot, right? The, you, one cannot, on a halachic level, if one walks into their sukkah and says, I'm in the sukkah because Hashem told me to sit in the sukkah, but you have no concept of the idea that the walls of the sukkah represent the kavod, on a halachic level, there's reason to say that you may not have fulfilled your mitzvah. Understanding the reason of the mitzvah is part of the mitzvah. So I just, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable saying that like, listen, sometimes you just do it. Why? I don't know. I'm doing it. Like, I think that's true. I think if you're working in a nuclear power plant, and they say, by the way, just don't go into that room. <laughs> like, okay, I, I, why? Just, you don't want to go into that room. Like, okay. I mean, I think you're right. I, I'm not, you know, you don't want to be an Evan Hamashamish, I'm not like a Valpras. You don't, you, we shouldn't strive, to, we, or we should be motivated by Ahava. But I think that, that there's also Ahava in asking my, my spouse, my wife, the question, I want to I wanna do this best. How? Tell ah, me why. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Now I can sharpen what I just said. What is the motivation by asking why or how? What's your motivation? If your motivation is to ask yourself and decide whether to practice this or not, this is not something I can get. This is not something acceptable. If your motivation is, I want to do it and I want to do it better, which this is why I think all the other discussions of Tamea Mitzvot, the explanation of the Mitzvot, and what you just said, for example, about an Akavot and Zasuka, I think the motivations behind those details, behind asking all the questions of why, when, who, and what, the motivations behind them is to perform the Mitzvah better. Because we have this covenant with God, we love a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and we want to do it as good as possible, so we need to ask how and why. But the question of how and why is not an initial question. Naseh venishma. We act, and then we'll listen and ask. Here's the takana, naaseh for a full year, and then afterwards nishma. Then you'll hear the reason why. Meaning it fits exactly with that idea. Maybe, maybe not. We'll, <laughs> li- we'll, we'll leave it to our listeners to decide. It's definitely, Jared, it's definitely a wider discussion to this scope, but I hope we, um, we opened a small window for our uh, listeners to, um, for them to see. I have a better window into who you are and your Avodah Hashem, which is beautiful. Thank you very much. Vice versa. Um, Thank you, Rev. Jared. That was a pleasure. Thank you uh, all to all our listeners. And um, if you have any questions or something, you can uh, email us also. You can find it in our uh, description. Probably many people will have some questions after this very interesting discussion. And uh, we wish you a good Shabbos to everyone. I don't know. Something I was thinking about, actually. Okay, we, we were, we're, talking, not, we're well, not finished yet. Just uh, something I was thinking about. I thought it was funny when you were talking about how easy it is to understand things. Just today, I saw a meme that I didn't understand. I didn't understand it. And 
I, I Googled like understand meme and there was a website. Know your is a website dedicated <laughs> to explaining memes. We, Saying, we need a website about, about Paraduma. That's what we need. Idan, thank you so, so much. Thank for you very much, Jerry. That was a pleasure. Likewise. Thank Shabbat you very shalom. Much. Shabbat shalom, everyone. That's all for today. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe, share, and like this podcast. And follow us, Beit Midrash Zichron Dov, on Facebook and Instagram. We'll be back next week with a new conversation on a new Parsha. Thank you and goodbye.